This morning we're going to look at the side of things where things are drawn together. Hopefully, that's the situation this morning as you examine yourself and you examine your life as we move through this study. You see, this morning we're going to look at being drawn to God. We sang together just a second ago a, a song about being drawn together. I appreciate John so, so much. Uh, when he leads singing, usually he leads singing on the Sunday that I preach, and um, he'll ask me early in the week, you know, what, what's your title going to be or what's your lesson going to be on? And he always picks songs that are so appropriate for the lesson, even when I throw him one of those weird titles out there. Uh, I know John really appreciates that. But all of our song leaders, Ricky and Eric and Caleb, and all those here that lead singing do such a wonderful job of choosing songs that go with our lessons. And I know Adam's appreciative of that also, and I know I am as well. But this morning I want you to think about being drawn to God. And we're going to see what it means to be drawn to God. You don't have an outline this morning because uh, James chapter 4 will serve as your outline. That's where most of our uh, lesson will come from this morning. So if you want to go ahead and open up to James chapter 4, it's our text that was read uh, a few minutes ago. We'll get there in just a minute. I want to tell you another story about being drawn to something. Recently... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was someone or something, I should say, uh, that was drawn to me or to my house. Uh, his name was Frank. This particular individual was not invited. He was not welcome. Now, before you start to say, preacher, that sounds very unchristian-like, let me give you a little bit more details about the situation. Frank was not a person. Frank was a rooster. And Frank decided that my house would now be his, and they crow when the sun comes up. Let me tell you this morning, you're wrong. They crow long before the sun ever thinks about coming up. And so Frank learned very quickly that he was not welcome at the home and home. And so we began to, to do a little investigating, I guess, and I appreciate Tanya Goddard. She actually found uh, Frank's owner, and uh, Frank is no longer at my house. And on a completely unrelated note, I hope everyone enjoyed all the fellowship meals and all the fresh fried chicken that we had this past week. Those two stories do not go together in any way, uh, but something to think about. Back to our text. Hopefully you feel welcome when you came in this morning. Hopefully you feel welcome here at Ninth Avenue. If not, I want to welcome you. Ninth Avenue, for those of you that are members here, you know how wonderful this congregation is. You know how wonderful this place is. Some of the most loving people that you're going to find anywhere in the world call Ninth Avenue home. If you're a visitor this morning, I want to personally welcome you to Ninth Avenue. I want to say thank you for being here this morning, and I hope that you'll be back with us. I hope that, that one day you'll make the decision to call Ninth Avenue home. I hope that this morning as you have walked in, that you have been drawn to this family of God. It's a wonderful family. Um, if you decide to call this place home, I know that you will love it as much as we do. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful group of people um, that are always there for each other. It's a place that you are naturally drawn to. As we begin our study this morning, the first question that we need to answer or ask ourselves before we really get into our study is, why would we want to be drawn to God? What's that attraction that God provides us that makes us want to be drawn to Him? 
We're not going to go there and we're not going to read just for the sake of time, but most of you, if you're doing, your, if you're doing the daily Bible reading and, and you've started in Genesis, you've probably just finished this section of Scripture, but if not, uh, it's hopefully some Scripture that you've read uh, quite a bit throughout your life. If not, it would be a good, place to, or a good thing to go home and read this week. But in the book of Exodus, we see the journey of the Israelites. And they're leaving Egypt and God is guiding them to the promised land. But it doesn't turn out to be as easy as it might seem. In our minds, when we think about how wonderful, how amazing God is, we sometimes begin reading that story, and even when we know what happens, we we may sometimes ask ourselves, well, why didn't God make it a little bit easier on the Israelites? And we know the answer to that. We know it's because they never truly trusted God. They continued to turn their backs on God. But one thing that I think we should notice throughout the entire book is no matter how often the Israelites turned their back on God, God was always available to them. Even in the way that they traveled, we see that God was there during the day, that God was there during the night. God traveled with the Israelites. God provided manna for the Israelites. He provided food for the Israelites. When you think about the journey that they went on, spending 40 years getting to the promised land, and yet we're also told that God provided for their feet, for their shoes, that they would never become worn out, that their feet would allow them to take this journey. How wonderful is it when we see a God that's always there, a God that never turns His back, even on a people that continually turn their back on Him. The first thing that I think draws us to God is that He's available. We're going to have another quick story this morning to help illustrate this point. When you were, most of, most of the people in here, um, when you were growing up, and you asked your parents, can somebody come over and play on Saturday? And they said yes. You chose who that friend was by who answered the telephone, Correct. Nowadays, you text the friend that you want to come over and you get everything planned before you ever go and ask your parents. But before cell phones and texting, and this was not too long ago because I experienced this growing up, you chose the friend that was going to come to your house based on their availability. Who answered the phone? You would never dare go ask your parents, can a specific person come over to play? Because if they didn't answer their phone, there went that. You would say, can somebody? And that way, if the first person didn't answer the second person, and the third person. But you would also never tell that person that you called ninth, hey, you're the ninth person I've called today. You want to come over on Saturday? No, they they thought they were the first person that you called. But we understand what it means to to be available and how we're drawn to those who are available. Think about your parents for just a moment. No matter what your age this morning, think about your parents. You wanted your parents as a young child to be available for everything. They provided food. They provided comfort. They provided care. They provided a a dry diaper. When you cried out in the middle of the night, they were there. As a young child, you wanted them there 24 hours a day. As you got older, you wanted your parents a little bit further away, but you never really wanted them to be out of reach. You wanted them close enough that if you got yourself in trouble 
or if you got yourself in a situation where you needed them, you wanted them to be close enough that you could reach out and they would be available when you needed them. As you became a teenager, you wanted your parents a little bit further away, but still not completely gone because there might be that day when I need to call mom or dad because I've gotten myself in a little bit over my head. How many times do we as Christians treat God that same way? When we first become a Christian, we want God to be there 24 hours a day. We're constantly opening our Bibles, studying. We're constantly looking to God for advice and for wisdom. But as we seemingly get more wisdom, we begin to want to do things on our own. We begin to want to walk by ourselves. But we never want God to completely go away. Sometimes we, we just want to take God and, and put Him on a shelf. I want Him to be there when I need Him, but I'm, I'm really not ready to fully commit right now. I want to do things my way. I've got most of this Christian stuff figured out. But just in case Satan comes and he's a little bit too strong for me, I want to know where God is, just in case I need to run over there and, and pick Him up. I want God to be close enough that I can go to Him when I need Him. You see, this morning I challenge you that if that's the situation in your life, that if God's sitting on that shelf and you've put Him on that shelf and, and you're just He's there because you know how great and how wonderful He is, but you've got this figured out. This morning I challenge you to take God off the shelf. And if things in your life are wonderful, maybe things are going great, thank God for that. Let God be a part of that. Let God enjoy those moments in your life with you. Let God be a part of what He has so richly blessed you with. Put Him in your life the way He was in your life the moment you came out of the waters of baptism. Do you remember what it was like the rest of that day or the rest of that night? the next day. Do you remember how wonderful it was to be a Christian? You would have done anything for God. You were on fire. There was an attraction to God like you've never experienced before in your life. You had just made the ultimate commitment. Sin had been washed away and you were on fire. What if we treated God like that each and every day? How wonderful could our lives be? You see, God is available. And that, in and of itself, is only one reason that we should be drawn to God. But how wonderful of a reason is that? That we have a God who is available. We have a God who is available at all times, not just in certain times. God's available for you today. God is in our presence. We are worshiping. God this morning, that's why we've assembled together. But when we leave this building this morning, when we leave this assembling of our family this morning, God's going to be available. God's going to be there for you. God's ready for you to be drawn to Him. God's doing His part. We have to do our part. There's not a moment in your life when God is not going to be available to you. I want to share a story that's a sad story this morning, but it's, it's true. As I was preparing for some, some schoolwork, I'm currently taking a counseling class and we're learning how to deal with different situations. And so this, this story uh, will tug at your heartstrings just a little bit, but I think it's very important to show the availability of God. There was a mother who had lost her teenage daughter 
to suicide. And this particular study talked to individuals who had gone through similar things in life. And the mom made a comment in this article that I read that that really hit home. And I want to share with you her comment, and I want you to think about it for just a minute. They asked her, they said, do you ever blame God for what happened? Which we can understand that question. Even if we've never been through that, we can see how someone might blame God. But the mom gave a response that I think can give us a lesson today. She said, no. She said, I don't blame God. She said, what my daughter did was my daughter's decision. But she said, every night when I go to bed, and my daughter's not there for me to say goodnight to. She said, I have to tell myself something very important. She said, I have to remind myself that even as my daughter was making that decision in her life, even as my daughter was going through whatever she was going through in her mind, that God was there with her during that moment. And how true is that? Sometimes we treat God like He's only there in the good times. We forget that in those lowest moments of our life, if we're battling something, if maybe you're battling an addiction, maybe you have lost a loved one, whatever it is that you're facing in life, did you ever think God had abandoned you? Because we know that even in those moments, even when we think there's no way I can face tomorrow, this is the worst day I've ever experienced in my life. God's there in the bad times, just as He's there in the good times. Because you see, most of those things that we go through in our life would be impossible without God. We might not be able to face God. I mean, we might not be able to face tomorrow if we didn't know God was going to be there with us. But how comforted are you by the fact that no matter what happens when you wake up in the morning, God's going to be there. No matter what you're facing tomorrow, maybe your plans are to go sit in a doctor's office and and wait on results that you've been dreading. God's there. Maybe tomorrow you're starting a new job and you're nervous, but it's exciting. God's going to be there. Maybe tomorrow you're having to have a difficult discussion with somebody in your life. God's going to be there. You see, God's there in those moments because God loves us. And we're His children. And just as those of you in this room this morning, as your parents, and you think about all of those times that you're there for your children, you know what your children are going through. Sometimes you celebrate with them and sometimes you punish them. But you do it because you love them. And you want to be there for your children, no matter what they're experiencing. But you also want to be there with them when they celebrate. Because you love your children so much. You would never abandon your child when difficulties knocked on the door. God is our Father. God's not going to abandon us when difficulties knock on our door. If you're in the book of James, we're going to look at at what it means to draw to this God who is available to us. 
Starting in verse 7, let's see what we're taught by James when we draw to God. What does it mean to draw to God? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Step number one is to submit to God. What does it mean to submit? It means to obey. To listen to what they teach. To listen to their instructions. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. How do I resist the devil? I get a game plan ahead of time. I know how I'm going to overcome temptation before I ever face temptation. That's how I resist the devil. I spend time in God's Word. I don't put myself in, myself in situations where the devil is more powerful. I don't walk into a temptation alone that I know about ahead of time. I resist the devil by planning ahead. I resist the devil by reading God's Word, by knowing what God wants me to know, by understanding what God wants me to understand. There's more comfort. If I resist the devil, he will flee from you. Have you experienced that in your life? The more you resist Satan, the easier it is to resist Satan. The more that you resist temptation, the easier it gets. But you know what makes it even easier? Is not doing it alone. When you resist the devil, when you associate your people or yourself with people like you're around today, it's not hard to resist the devil today. The devil is not powerful in this room, I promise you that. I'm not saying there's not somebody in this room that's facing something. But collectively, together, we're going to beat the devil. Do we keep that teamwork when we walk out the doors? Do you see brothers and sisters in Christ in different places and and are comforted by the fact that you're not alone? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You see, just as those magnets that we talked about earlier, as they got closer together, that attraction picked up. There was nothing that you could do to separate it. As you begin to draw near to God, He's not going to stay where He is and make you come all the way. He's going to draw to you the moment you begin drawing to Him. He's going to run because He's so excited that you're taking the first step. He's waiting to run to you. Whatever you're facing this morning. God's ready to help. God's ready to draw near to you. But we have to take the first step. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get the garbage out of your life. Take the garbage out of your home. You wouldn't imagine letting the physical garbage pile up in your home. But do you let it pile up on your TV? Do you let it pile up in your children's room on their computers because you don't monitor what they do at home? Do you let the garbage pile up on your personal computer that nobody else looks at? Do you let the garbage pile up when you go on a work trip and and nobody's watching what you're doing? Do you let the garbage pile up by the decisions that you make for your family, by the places that you take your family? Wash your hands. 
Purify your hearts. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That doesn't sound very exciting. Why would I want to do that? This doom and gloom situation. You see, before I can truly cleanse myself, I have to understand that there's garbage in my life. Before I can submit to God, I I need to realize why I need God. Before I can become a Christian, I, I need to know and understand that I need salvation. Before I can ask for forgiveness, I I need to understand that I need forgiveness. Before I can be baptized, I need to understand why I'm being baptized. I need to understand that baptism is necessary. And once I understand that, once I make that decision and I admit, yes, there's sin in my life. I've not been a Christian. At that point, my joy will turn to gloom. Because I know that there's nothing I can do to make sin go away by myself. But there is something I can do. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. The moment I realized that sin has taken over my life. That sin is between me and my eternal life in heaven. At the moment that I realized that, and my joy turns to gloom because I know sin can keep me out of heaven. At that moment, when I'm ready to humble myself, I draw to God and He draws to me. That's the moment when you first became a Christian that you experience that for those that have become a Christian. That's the moment that you said, you know what, I can't wait until tomorrow to become a Christian because tomorrow may not be here. I can't wait until this afternoon to become a Christian. I need to do it right now. You see baptisms. I saw one this morning from from CYC, a popular event with over 12,000 Christians. Somebody had shared a baptism that took place at about 1.30 yesterday morning. Why, why would somebody do that at 1.30 in the morning? Because that was the moment they realized that that's the only thing that can get them to heaven. That is because that's the moment that they truly humbled themselves before God. And I promise you, when they walked out of that water, when they were raised out of that water... They were exalted like they'll never be exalted until they see heaven for eternity. If you've ever come out of the waters of baptism, did you not feel exalted? Was that not the most exalted that you have ever felt? The moment when no sin was in your life, all your sins were just now washed away. And there's nothing that can bring you down at that moment. Why don't we forget how that moment feels? It's because we put God back up on the shelf. But He's not going to leave. He's going to be there for us. In just a moment, Brother John's going to lead us in another song. 
And even though we understand, hopefully, that the invitation is open at all times, 24 hours a day, this is a moment when we make special emphasis on the invitation. We're going to stand together as one people. We're going to sing a song together as one people. The reason we do that, hopefully, is to encourage you that if you've put God up on the shelf for too long and you're ready to dust Him off and put Him back in your life to make Him active once again in your life, the reason we stand together, the reason that we sing together is to show that we are together. To show that we are a unified people. To show that we are a family. And we know and we understand that sometimes we have family members that hurt. We have family members that are struggling. But we do it to show that we love each other. And we do it to show that God loves us. Hopefully this morning as we've moved through this lesson, you have once again been drawn to God. Maybe you were drawn to God at one point in your life and and things moved in a different direction. Life happened. The struggles of life came into play and, and God didn't stay at the top of your list. Maybe you've never been drawn to God before. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, you know what, I have nowhere else to turn. We talked a couple of weeks ago when I preached about the kid that had made the decision. He said, I had to decide, it's either suicide or give church a try. And today he's a faithful Christian because he gave church a try. He was drawn to God. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're just simply here because there's nowhere else to turn. Maybe you're here because... You were raised in a way that you know that you're supposed to be in church on Sunday, but you really don't know what it's all about. Maybe you're here today because your parents made you be here. Whatever your reason for being here this morning, here's what I want you to leave remembering. No matter what you did yesterday, there's a God that loves you today. And there's a God that's ready to be there for you today. Because I can't redo what I did yesterday. But if I put God first in my life today, I can completely change what I do tomorrow. And tomorrow is going to be a lot more impactful than yesterday. And if I put God first in my life today, Even if tomorrow never arrives, it's only going to be that much better. Maybe you go to bed tonight and you're expecting to wake up in the morning and go to work. What if there is no tomorrow? Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan B? Hopefully your plan B today will become your plan A. Because I don't know when eternity is going to begin. but I know that I'm ready for it. And I know that whenever it begins, I don't want to be looking backward. I want to be looking forward. 
Because you see, we see that picture on Judgment Day, or we see that picture of eternity, of those that are in torment, those that are in torture. And we're told that it would be better to have never known than to have known and turned away. You see, I think that's because those people are looking back on what could have been. They're not looking forward to the eternity that they're fixing to spend. But yet, when we see the picture of heaven, it seems that everybody's looking forward because they're ready for eternity. If your eternity starts tomorrow, are you going to spend eternity looking back on what could have been? Well, what if I would have just walked down that aisle on that Sunday morning? What if I would have just gone and laid my problems at the feet of the cross? What if I would have just repented of my sins? What if I would have just submitted to God in baptism? What if? What if? What if? But there's good news. Life doesn't have to be full of what ifs. Because you see, God's ready. And all you have to do this morning when we stand to sing in just a second is take that first step and God's going to go the rest of the way. God's going to come meet you wherever you need Him to come to. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. But for somebody here this morning, what you could do today could not only change your life, but it could change your eternity as well. Where are you going to put God when you leave here this morning? Are you going to put God first in your life? Are you going to take God back home? You've done your Sunday morning thing, and I'm going to take God back home, and I'm going to put Him back on the shelf until next Sunday morning. And we'll see if he's still there next Sunday morning. And I'm going to do my routine that I've always done. You see, to me, one of the most powerful things in that verse is that it begins with, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You see, what that tells me is that I don't have to go all the way, but I do have to take the first step. Are you ready to draw near to God, because I promise you He's ready to draw near to you. If you're ready to make that decision that could quite possibly change your life and change your eternity, if you're ready to draw near to God, if you're ready to truly humble yourself and allow Him to exalt you, if you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to make that commitment, Make that commitment right now with your family here to support you. Make that decision right now while together we stand and while we sing.